Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up, it's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisbee in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisbee, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 20 of The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. Hunter, I'm wearing a Topps shirt. They didn't send this to me. Um, I just happen to be the kind of nerd who would be wearing a Topps shirt while wearing, uh, while reading a Topps ad. That's exciting. Where did you get that shirt? MLB, I think. No, it was Topps, actually. Topps.com was selling it. And one day they had like this blowout where it's like, everything's like $3. Just get it out of our site. And I cleaned up on shirts, hats. It was a, it was a glorious day, but it's, it's long past. I would have paid a good 20 for this because I love the logo. The logo is like, the, I believe it's 1979, 1980, right around there that, you know, that's, that's, I had a bunch of those cards. So it 100% creates a feeling when I think of tops, it brings me back to little league baseball and bubble gum, as we, we said before. And, and just like, it's always so fun to open those packs of cards and collecting cards right now is, is very exciting. So I love that you have the top shirt. And I think if you're walking by someone in a top shirt, it's a statement. You know what that person's up to. You know what that person's up to. All right. We're going to talk about uh, uh, some baseball because that's what we do here. And we're going to lead off with, we haven't done power rankings in a while, right? We haven't done the top of the top teams. And I have to do a caveat because every time we talk about which team's up, which team's down, I screw it up. Like if you go back and listen to the podcast, I'll be like, the Reds, dude, the Reds, you got to check out the Reds. And then the Reds stink. And then I go back and I go, you know what? I was wrong about the Reds. Forget about the Reds. Reds, Reds are garbage. And then the Reds are rolling, right? And last week I was like, oh, no, 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 no. It's the Mets. Don't worry about the Phillies. The Mets are coming. Like, you can't listen to me. So I guess listen to me and listen to what I have to say about baseball and power rankings because I'll get it right this time. How about you? I think that you were actually right the first time and they hit like a skid and you're like, ah, oh, man, you were like kind of like succumbing to like maybe I was wrong, but you were actually right. Now, you did there say the go. Mets, they hit a skid. Do you think that they're really as bad as they are? Do you think they're going to come back? Sometimes that first thought is right, even though it may not seem to be right in the moment. And I think this is a very exciting time to do power rankings because I thought it, there's so much to talk about. I thought it was very wild after the trade deadline. They immediately, Dodgers ranked one. Giants had finally hit rank one, which they hadn't gotten a bunch of respect. And I think that there's just so much to talk about with power rankings right now. I think it's very exciting. The, the NL East 
the AL West and the AL Wild Card in general. So power rankings is fun right now. Who do you have? Let's start with who do you have as number one? All right. So for most of this year, we've been tiptoeing around the Giants, not tiptoeing around, but just, you know, you have the association with them. I have the association with them. We didn't want to make this the baseball barista talking about the Giants podcast. You know, we wanted to cover all baseball. And I actually read one of our, our reviews on on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I should say, was like, hey, these guys talk about the Giants too much. And I feel like we haven't talked about the Giants enough, you know, considering what they're doing this year. So they go into the trade deadline and the Dodgers get Scherzer and Turner and whatever the Giants were before in the power rankings. Now it was the Dodgers back on number one. Look, they got all these guys. Since then, though, A, Chris Bryant has proven to be one heck of a fit. But B, the Giants have one series against the Astros, the Dodgers, and the Brewers. Like, they keep getting tested. It's not like they're just getting Colorado at home all the time. They've been tested with three of the best of the best teams in baseball. They won all three series. I don't see how you can have anyone else. I mean, we're talking about the best record in baseball for like two months straight. So if you're not talking about the team with the best record in baseball, that's actually kind of subtly, like nobody's giving them credit for all of this time. You may be having a little bit of bias the opposite direction, if you ask me, because I was listening to Mike Kruko and I think he said it best. He said, no one's really giving them any credit. No one's really talking about them. We're ta- I'm like, come check out the baseball barista. We're talking about the Giants, baby. <laughs> Giants. And they're the best record in baseball. It's easy to like, especially when not everyone's really saying much. So to me, I love that Kruko had the greatest quote. He's like, how can you be looking at this team and not going, yeah, daddy, cowboy, let's go. Because they're winning in crazy fashion. They're winning from comeback. But I do want to kind of say, like, because I've, I've watched them very closely. The Brewers were really hit in the bullpen with COVID. And that was a very close series with two extra inning games. And they came back on the bullpen both times in both those victories. So... That's where it like it leaves a little a little shadow, but either way, they have the best record. I do think it's one and two is like Giants Dodgers. There's no question about that in my mind. They're really close, and I have to give the team with the better record, the Giants, the number one. Yeah, I wrote about uh, on Tuesday night how the Giants. You know, a you can you can be a glass half full person to be like they're rolling. What are you talking about? This is great, Chris Bryant with walk off hit. At the same time, you can sort of like scrutinize just a little bit where you're saying. It took the Brewers just slipping on a banana peel for them to win that series. It took the Diamondbacks getting their tie caught in the garbage disposal to win the series in Arizona. You know what I mean? Like it it took a few, not luck, but just uh, good fortune, bounties, you know? <laughs> like the last week and they're hot right now and things are working out for them. But like they've been on like, like you said, they've been like. Their opponents have been slipping on banana peels and like things have just been really going their way. But to me, that's not a coincidence. That's the magic of belief, the magic of they do the little things right throughout the game. And sometimes you'll even watch them. And here's where where I think the nuts and bolts is actually the Giants are rank one is if you watch their lineup, it's compound interest. Every single at bat, these guys are very disciplined. The Dodgers are like looking at their numbers right now offensively. They're going off and they do it. They both do it really well. It's going to be tough to say, and the Dodgers are very, very hurt. They have so many guys on the IL. So these two teams are both teams that have compound interest where they work the counts. They get deep into counts, and even if they don't get a hit, they take something from the pitcher, and it's a very difficult lineup to deal with. And both the Dodgers and the Giants have 
excellent starting pitching and excellent bullpen. The Giants are deep everywhere. We'll move on to the Dodgers real quick, but I did want to point out, uh, Brian Kenny of MLB Network pointed this out, and I hadn't quite thought of it like this, but last month uh, in July, the Giants were 15-10, and 10, right? That's a 600 winning percentage. That's their worst month of the season. That's their worst month is a 600 winning percentage. 16 and 10 in April, 18 and 10 in May, 16 and 9 in June, 15 and 10 in July. They're 7 and 2 as of this recording in August. Like, they're freaky consistent. They're not, you know, just getting these high in this 12-game winning streak followed by a five-game losing streak. It's just more just a steady hum. And with all the injuries and the turnover that they've had, that's kind of impressive. It speaks to the depth of the roster. They have been consistent, and they have responded to any little hiccups they've had with, like, they get extremely hot right after. Because they did have that one series, the first series against the Dodgers, where they got swept, but they still had a great month, and they came back, and they ended up winning a series against the Diamondbacks and then going to L.A., and winning a three out of four, I believe, against the Dodgers. So that would be the one hiccup, and that was many, many moons ago, many months ago. And yeah, they just consistently are, are winning, and they're consistently playing good games. Even when you watch them lose, they win the time of possession, as they call it, with having longer times up to bat, and they play good defense. I think they have one of the best, like as far as fielding percentage, I think they might be the best in the league. Can you, can you confirm that? I haven't looked in a while, but they are they are definitely rolling in that respect. They're, they're rolling in the uh, advanced statistics as well, like, you know, you go to Baseball Savant and they do the outs above average and stuff like that. It's just a very sound, capable team. Uh, I am trying to vamp and stall for fielding percentage. They are absolutely rolling. They're good in the advanced stats. They're good in uh, outs above average in the Baseball Savant. They're fourth in fielding percentage. They're tied for first in the National League with the Braves. It's A's, Astros, Braves, Giants uh, with fielding percentage. But, you know, that, that that's excellent. Excellent work there. The Dodgers, though, you brought them up as a clear number two, and I 100% agree. And it is a freaky lineup, especially when they get Seager back, especially if Cody Bellinger, uh, Cody Bellinger unsticks whatever is stuck. Because I remember when the Giants would play the Dodgers, I would watch this lineup, and it's just Will Smith, Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, uh, Justin Turner, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Trey Turner. Like, they don't stop. They just keep coming at you. And when you've got, you know, Max Muncy is maybe like the best hitter in baseball almost. He's on such a tear. His on-base percentage is so high. He's so disciplined. He's one of the scariest hitters in baseball, at least. Mookie Betts, even though he's he's on the IL or, or, or he's, he's hurt, he is just, he's back. He's the Mookie Betts that the Dodgers were expecting all season. So, look, they are a clear number two. They are scary. I think the one and two is kind of a blend, an amalgam. They can go either way. They're both. There you go. Yeah. They're both exceptionally good. But I do think the Do- the Dodgers have been more injury ridden. I think Cody Bellinger definitely doesn't look like the Cody Bellinger of Norm. But I, you got to know that the Dodgers are working on that. But like, here's why it doesn't really matter because like AJ Pollock 900 OPS, Mookie Betts 900 OPS, Will Smith 850, Max Muncy 953. Like literally, you're going down the lineup and it's 850 plus OPS. That's All Star caliber status if you're. 850 and they're anywhere from 850 to 950 ever like and they probably have 10 guys in that range you know Trey Turner just added 862 uh, I know that's probably a very small window I don't know what he was in Washington but 
adding Trey Turner to that lineup is is really scary. And even Albert Pujols, man, he's been great over there. He's he's at close to an 800 OPS himself. So when I watched their series, it just felt like they were a little bit injured and a lot of their guys weren't in there. And like their injured list, Clayton Kershaw, IL, Gonsolin, IL, Dustin May, obviously, Jimmy Nelson, Joe Kelly on the IL. I, 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 that must have been recent. So it's just so many people hurt. It's kind of tough to get a rhythm. I misspoke and I said that Mookie Betts was on the IL. He's not on the IL. He is, uh, he's missed the last couple of games with his injury, his hip problems. They're just dinged up. And so that is, look, you know, can they get healthy by October? Yeah, I said that they were a clear number two. They're like a 1A, you know, 1A, 1B with the I would, Giants. Yeah, it's, I would say uh, that. They're, I'm going to give two rank ones. <laughs> Like. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I don't, you know, it, it's funny because I would watch Giants fans get really upset MLB.com when they publish their power rankings or the athletic when they publish their power rankings and, and the Dodgers would be number one for so long. And it's like, look, I mean, we can just, you want a power rankings based on record, sort the standings. That's a power rankings. You want that? You got it. If you're just looking at the roster and saying, here's what I, here's what I think is the strongest team. I don't think the Dodgers have left the top of the power rankings since like 2016, 2015. I mean, they've been so good for so long. Uh, Why would you expect anything differently? It's definitely easy to to put them at at one over the you know over the Giants because you know there's a lot of names that you don't know that are doing great things. I mean that's a fun one to talk about, but I do think it gets even juicier when we start getting into three, four, five because the Rays, the Brewers, the White Sox, the Astros, and I think the Athletics are coming. To me, like let's just go into three, four, five. Like where are you going here? This is a tricky one. This is going to be, you're going to make a lot of people unhappy no matter what you pick. I'm going to go with the White Sox because that's probably where I had them. I might have had them two, three, I mean, right around this, this, this part of the power rankings before the season. I don't think they've done anything to discourage that. They've done great with the runs scored, runs allowed. If you're, if you're into that, they added at the deadline. They're busy folding in new talent uh, like Andrew Vaughn. And you've got the older guys like uh, Jose Abreu doing things. Uh, you've got, I think, Tim Anderson's got a little bit more ceiling left. They had the pitching figured out. The bullpen is locked down. So I'm going I'm going White Sox. I think I can be convinced otherwise, but that's a that's what I'm going right now. I mean, I definitely don't think it's wrong. I don't have the White Sox there, and I'll, I'll tell you why I kind of skew it based on your division and your record. If you're looking at the Central, the AL Central, I'm going to say that it's not as difficult as, let's say, the NL West or the AL East. The AL East is stacked. We have four teams. These teams are all really, really good. The Rays, Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, all of them are vying to get into the playoffs. They all have a potential to make the playoffs and they are all exceptionally good. When you're in the central and you have, you're 67 and 47 as the White Sox and, I, and don't get me wrong, I love Kimbrel Hendricks and I love Lance Lynn and they're starting. So I think they could beat anyone, especially in a playoff series with that. But I think the overall like next team to me is the Tampa Bay Rays to be, you know, at a, obviously they have the win-loss percentage. They're they're higher than the Dodgers and they're in a division that's just stacked with only the Baltimore Orioles that that, you know, is is not a playoff contender. So that's a very tough di- division. So that's the only reason I'm taking the Rays over the White Sox is just looking at the math of that. But I do think in the playoff series the White Sox can beat anyone and they were my preseason World Series from the American League team. You make a good point, and I always forget to check strength of schedule. I, you know, I'm looking at the the players, the stats, and and the run scored, runs allowed. But they are the White Sox are seven and zero this year against the Orioles. They're nine and four against the Tigers. They are thirteen and five against the Twins. 
you know, you can't fault a team for beating up on the on the struggling teams. You can't just say like you can't wave that away because it's baseball and weird things can happen even when a, a lousy team plays a great team. But you start adding that up and that's a bulk of, of you know, they're 20 games over 500 as of this recording. That is, you know, a big chunk of that 20 games over 500. Yeah. What are you doing against, you know, playoff caliber teams? And that's a fun one to look at. It's just the, the Rays are doing it. They always have good pitching. They play good defense. They're winning a lot and they're in one of the toughest divisions. So I think that to me, the number three goes to the Rays. And if, if I'm jumping down to the next one, I think I'm going kind of against the grain here. Maybe not. Actually, I think the Brewers are, are next in line because I think they're better than even the series they just had with the Giants because that was without Hayter. You know, a couple of their bullpen guys being down. I really think their offense is starting to click. Adames is is a legitimate threat, MVP caliber player. They literally hit every aspect of like what I think matters in playoff baseball is they have three number ones. They have three guys with like a low two ERA starting pitchers that have 100 plus innings and Corbin Burns, Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. And then they just have a back end bullpen. The airbender from Williams is one of the sickest pitches I've ever seen. I watched him throw like seven straight changeups to Buster Posey and one at bat and uh, you still just don't get good good uh, good look at it so I think the Brewers are the real deal and I think they've, they've been very quiet and we haven't said hardly anything about them this is a good point and let us rectify uh, uh, this right now because that's who I would have picked next to maybe it's recency bias and I, I, I've gotten a, a really good look at them recently because uh, my job is to follow the Giants and they they played the Giants in three taught really you know fun games to watch but they're good. They're good. And if you're going to talk about a problem with the Brewers, it has been this year, their lineup. They have below average adjusted OPS. They haven't had the on-base percentage. They haven't been slugging that much. I think there's more ceiling there. I think once you get uh, Avisail Garcia, you're kind of comfortable that he's going to be this 20 home run guy, which he is. You've got Colton Wong, Adamas, like you said. I think there's a lot more to get out of Christian Yelich. I think there's uh, a lot more to get out of some of these guys. And now you add in Eduardo Escobar. He's hit the ground running there. Rowdy Tellas. I think that they have like the bones of a maybe not like a league leading offense or they're just going to mow through, you know, opposing pitchers, but they have the bones of a, of a strong offense. And when you have a strong offense combined with that goofy rotation and goofy bullpen, I mean, it's it's a good combination. Yeah, and I think Rowdy Tellez is super sneaky because like, Getting to watch those full games, Telez is doing everything right, and every ball he's having really, really tough at bats. His bats going through the zone extremely. He's aligned, and there's the rowdy chant going on, but his swing is really good, and he's doing elite stuff over there. I think it's like I know it's it's like close to like 70ish at bats, but it's like a 1100 OPS. So they have him locked in swinging the bat. So that's a real threat. And like you said, I think it's a, another sneaky, really good pickup with um, Eduardo. Escobar, he's going to give you solid at bats. He's been doing great since he got over there. Uh, and I think if you get Christian Yelich, who his grip and his swing looks a little disconnected, and you got to think like you know. And even with that being said, he's still you know respectable 7:30, and he's now healthy and stuff. So I think they're a very very serious World Series contender. So I have them for me like in that in that range, like one two Giants Dodgers three Rays, and then I'm going I'm going Brewers. But then it gets even more fun. When we're going to the next spot. But you say you have the Brewers ahead of the Rays? 
I do. I just, just barely. I mean, I, I don't want to not believe in the Rays. I think at this point, obviously they're they're for real. I mean, obviously they're the pennant winners from last year, so they're not exactly sneaking under the radar. But they always rely because they're the Rays. They rely on players that you haven't necessarily paid too much attention to. They're very, very good at that. Uh, they've got a guy named uh, Lewis Head. Uh, ne- never heard of Lewis Head, and he's just like rolling through. He's got a 1.29 ERA. Like that's what the Rays do. So it, it's harder for me as someone who's looking at rosters, and I'm I'm doing this familiarity bias, and I'm going, oh, I know this guy. Oh yeah, that guy should be better. And when I look at the Rays, I go. Huh. Okay. I guess so. You know, that's what they do. So it's harder for me, but they're still just a really good team. You have a team that just knows pitching. And I know as a player going in there, every time you go and you watch their bullpen, like it's just filthy. And you're like, man, buckle up. Like you're going to have to grind for every single hit. And, you know, at the end of the day, they added Nelson Cruz, who is just a boom, you know, he's the boomstick. And they play great defense. They have great athletes. They grind, they compete, they do what matters most is pitch. And like, I watch like even their, their drafts and stuff and it's like their first 10 rounds. It's like pitcher, 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 pitcher. They get it. And that's why you have this guy, uh, Lewis Head, who is, you know, 22 innings in with a one ERA. And they just keep bringing these just phenomenal arms. They just know pitching. They know how to teach pitching. They know to go get pitching. And that is what wins. And then you add, you know, a veteran like like a Nelson Cruz and you have like the, the exceptional Randy Arosa Rainia, who can just blow up at any minute. It's exciting, and they're just, to me, they're legit. But you're putting the Brewers ahead of them, and you're going number five for the Rays. You know, I will say with the Rays, the pitching is is remarkable. And one, maybe the most underrated acquisition, because when the, the Rays traded Blake Snell, it was a shock. It was That was their guy. That was the guy that they were going to ride to the World Series win. He was under contract for a long time. And they traded him. It, it made a lot of waves. And it made, I think, people underrate the Rays because they're like, oh, they're doing this. They're, they're, they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too. They're rebuilding. They're reloading. What are you going to call it? Um, but no, they were just trying to get better. So the underrated part of that deal is Francisco Mejia. And he has become like a dude. And the Rays and their catching. So now they've got Mike Zanino. They've got Francisco Mejia. It's like a really strong, just competent catching core, both defensively and offensively. Mejia is young. You can kind of dream on him a little bit to be this 130-game catcher at one point, a switch hitter. So I I like the Rays. I love every time they make a move. There's an old tweet. Uh, my buddy Sam Miller, who who was with ESPN, he wrote this this tweet. It's it's a perfect tweet. It's I love this trade for the Rays. Who do they give up? What do they get? Right? Because you just know that the Rays made a good trade. So, you know, tell me the details later, but I love this trade for the Rays. It, it sticks in my head because every time they make a move, it's like, oh, that's probably going to work out. Yeah, I would be very wary of, of making trades with the Rays. I think they're exceptionally smart. And I think I was quoted earlier saying if the if the Rays come asking for some of your guys, uh, hold on to them tightly because they're probably something special about them because they just they seem to win a lot of trades. And the one that, that confused me is getting rid of Rich Hill because I really like him, especially if you're in, in a playoff race. I think he's dynamic. He's tough. to he, he, He's confident. He's been there. He's a veteran. He's a guy that you want to ride into the postseason. So that was the one that was a little tricky to me. And where did did they trade him was it to the Mets or was it to the Braves I mean, that was the Mets it was the Mets okay. that was the Mets all right so yeah but I mean they all they know what they're doing and they know who they have in the minors and and who they're bringing up so I'm big on the Rays I think they're they're, they're the real deal but the Rays and Brewers are kind of very similar it's just great pitching and like kind of average hitting and play good defense Brewers might be like a notch up in, in my opinion just because they they seem to have more threats 
We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. You know, when we say the Giants are one and the Dodgers are one A, I think a lot of these teams can be one C. I mean, like I can maybe they don't have the the record of the Giants or the Dodgers, but they're close. When I'm picking the Rays over the Brewer or the Brewers over the Rays, like it is, it is, it's close. And the Astros are a team I could just as easily have three. Because they are like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here uh, talking about the Dodgers lineup as being just one guy after another. No rest, no stop. When the Astros, and especially when they're healthy, I mean, they are just rolling. You've got Altuve. The boos make him stronger. Carlos Correa. You've got uh, Jordan Alvarez. I mean, like, it is just one after another. And it doesn't stop with the Astros. Yeah, no, the Astros are right there too, but I have a feeling the A's are kind of coming right now. Like the A's are only two games back of the Astros, and that's what I wanted to get into. The A's had that one skid when like a couple of, you know, Moreland and Canna were down. Since the All-Star break, they've been just chugging away, winning games, winning series, and they're right in the thick of it. The West Division is a battle. So you think the Astros are going to run away with this division, or, or do you think, I, like, because I mean, last time I had to remind you that the A's are, are the wild card favorite. <laughs> Um, but I think this is the toughest decision right here. I, I can't call it, but I think the A's are, are legitimately going to threaten this West Division. I don't think the Astros are going to run away with it. Yeah, I don't think run away with it. I think, I think that's a good, very good point. They're not going to run away with it. I still would, as of now, if you're asking me to lay a sawbuck down, I, I would put it on the Astros. I don't want to dismiss the A's uh, because I know from experience over the last decade plus of writing that when you dismiss the A's, their fans get really mad. I, I like the A's. I go to A's games all the time. I tailgate with my family uh, back in the before times. I own A's merchandise. My daughters are A's fans, uh, you know, second second team, but uh, they're still A's fans. I think that the A's are outstanding. The Starling Marte deal was inspired. I mean, it it's kind of makes sense now that they had to give up Lazardo. Now that they we have the suspension for Loriano, that was a major, major move uh, to, to get that suspension coming down. Yeah, but I mean, Starling Marte has been great since he's gone there. They have, they're pitching outstanding. They're, they're solid. And I think that, you know, like Matt Olson, 956 OPS. I just, I don't know. They just keep winning. They're grinders. They pitch and they have pop. And I don't know. I just feel so much fight in the in the A's. And just look up and they find ways to win. And it is tough now that like I'm looking at the actual offense and it's like Canna and it's Olson really carrying the torch here. And then the, and then their pitch. So the Graveman, Graveman hasn't given up a run since he's gone to the Astros. But their starting pitching of the A's is a little bit better than the Astros. Astros are solid. But I think the A's kind of have the edge in starting pitching. And the A's, if you go to bullpen, it's like you got Ryan Presley and you got you got Graveman who are like, it's over, over. But then there's a couple little blips in there where they haven't quite completely sealed the bullpen. So they have elite, elite top end. But I think you can give the edge to consistency with the A's. See, this is one of those things where I move, you know, when you're trying to, to cover all 30 teams, you're trying to pay attention to all 30 teams. No matter if you spend 80 hours a week on it, you're going to miss something. And so we're sitting here talking about the A's and their bullpen. My eyes, I did the cartoon wolf eyeballs popping out when I got to Sergio Romo's ERA. Because the last time I was thinking about Sergio Romo, his ERA was in the sevens. And uh, let's see, at the end of May, he gave up in May 23rd. He gave up three earned runs to the Angels, and his ERA was 763, right? So he's you're thinking, okay, this guy's cooked. He's, he's, he's donezo. It's 28 games since then. He has a .67 ERA. He's striking out a batter per inning. He is walking no 
nobody. He is, uh, I've seen those stats before. Those are Sergio Romo stats. So like he's back. Oh yeah. Sergio Romo knows how to pitch. He's lethal. He's aggressive. He's got more confidence than if I had like the confidence of his pinky finger, uh, I could have been a lot better than I was. (laughs) And I love that about him. He's a great teammate. He keeps it loose and he goes out there and competes. He has, he believes that he's the best in the world at all times. Lou Trevino, man, look at this guy. 53 innings pitched, 1.84. Every day you smiro, just 2.98. Like, they just got a solid pin that, and like, you know, Diekman, they're veterans. So, I mean, it's consistency versus like a couple of elite guys over in, in the Astros. And I'm gonna buy into the bullpen. It's gonna be a really tight battle. And man, you watch Chapman play third base and it's just insane. Like they get after it, man. He is a grinder. I know he's not hitting what he usually does, but he's something special. Canna's something special. I don't know why, but I just am like, I'm thinking they're going to put up a, a, a fight for this division, and uh, I'm going to enjoy watching that. That's the toughest one to call is the West Division and the NL East, the ALS and the NL East. So ugh, I just I think I'm taking the A's <laughs> to win that division. Okay, no, that's fair enough. I mean, Starling Marte was one of the bigger deadline acquisitions, of course, but they got a sneaky, not quite a trade, but uh, AJ Puck coming back and going into that bullpen and throwing as hard as he can. And that's like a deadline trade in itself. That's almost like, you know, getting Drew Drew Pomeranz when the Brewers did that, uh, except it's internal. It's AJ Puck. He's coming back and that could help out the bullpen even more. I mean, he's got four innings, four in the third, and uh, he's given up zero runs. And I know he's a presence, pumping 9,800 from the left side. He's massive. He's pretty special. And the A's just keep winning. They had that one skid where they really fell hard, and then they got healthy, and now they're just kind of pumping. And uh, I like them. I like them. So let's go to the NL East. And I know who, what team I'm taking of the three that are in the charge. I want to hear your thoughts here on uh, on the NL East right now because uh, it's been hype on the Phillies and they're in the lead. What do you what do you got here for me in the NL East? I am a stubborn, stubborn man, and uh, I'm I'm still sticking with the Mets. And I know that they're on the downswing, but I'm just looking at guys like uh, Jeff McNeil, uh, Lindor, Conforto, and I don't buy that they're you know average or below average now i just i look at the roster and i have to force myself to remember why people were so very excited about them going into the season Uh, a lot depends on degrom's health a lot depends on how much he's able to give him but stroman taiwan walker uh you know you they've, they've done some moves where they've shored up the bullpen a little bit they've they got Javi Baez. Uh, he's not doing much at all right now, but I don't buy that these players are suddenly below average to average. And that's why I'm being stubborn, but I could make an argument for all three teams at the top. Sure. To me, it's like, when is DeGrom coming back? Is Noah Syndergaard coming back? What does that look like? Right. I don't know. Like they're, they're playing it very, uh, I think as of this recording, it's very still up in the air. You know, it, it's not as if it's a defined like, okay, he's going to miss two weeks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Syndergaard, he should be back, but he, he hit a, a little bit of a, of a wall. And when you got guys coming back from Tommy John surgery, their command is usually the last thing to come back. You might get the velocity before the command. So I am always, always, always wary of like, even if the return date is September or October, saying, well, he's just going to slide right in and be Noah Syndergaard. So I don't know what the the Mets are going to get from those two. 
Okay, okay. Well, I, I, even without knowing that, I, I knew who my team was, and they've just been chugga 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 chugging their way, and they're one game back, and they've been winning the division over and over, and they took a huge hit with Ronald Acuna, one of the best talents going down, and I had them as my World Series champions this year. The Atlanta Braves are one game back and they were so out like and I couldn't believe it. They were just gone and they've just slowly been working. Jorge Soler, it's just 32 at bats, but we're looking at 1100 OPS, giving him some life, throwing him into, you know, uh, a playoff chase. You got, you know, Freddie Freeman who does Freddie Freeman things. You got Charlie Morton. This is the dude. This is the dude of dudes. This is a World Series game 7 like killer like he did everything for the Rays last year three he's now got a 352 10 and 4 we're looking at Max Freed 391 doing some stuff Drew Smiley sneaky 8 and 3 and he was similar to Romo dead to rights if you looked at the first two months of the season and he's now kind of pumping a little bit a uh, 441 respectable 8 and 3 record they keep piecing it together. Will Smith, a great closer. You know, Matzik's doing well. Luke Jackson's doing well in their bullpen. He's he's eating up 43 innings with a two. But I just think that they they have a great organization. They find a way to get the right people. And, um, you know, Jorge Soler could, could definitely be the, elect, the electricity that they were losing from Ronald Acuna. Yeah, as of June 16th, the Red Sox came into Atlanta and they they swept the Braves in a, a painful two-game series. The Braves were seven and a half games out. They were five games under 500. Thanks for next year. They're going to be sellers at the deadline. That's it. They're done. And I, they, they've come back. They've come back. I will say that in passing, you mentioned Jorge Soler. Have you seen Jorge Soler's dog? I have not seen his dog. I encourage all listeners and Hunter Pence to Google Jorge Soler's dog. It is the largest dog I have ever seen. And it's perfect because Jorge Soler is a big dude and he's there for scale. And this dog is like something out of a movie, but CGI. Like it's not just like Turner and Hooch, like, oh, it's this cute dog. It's like CGI. They had to recreate this dog for this Christmas card picture. So I I urge everyone to take a look. It's like a horse dog. (laughs) It's like basically. (laughs) It's it's a moose. It is. I just, I stare at the picture over and over and over again. It is so good. It is so good. Let's narrow it down to top five teams. Does an NL East team sneak in there? No, I already mentioned my top five teams. This is just like where I snuck into not not even the top like power rankings. I snuck into like who's going to win the divisions because that's the, <laughs> that's what matters. Who's getting into the playoffs? But you know, Jock Peterson we didn't mention as well. Who's doing great since he's gone over to the, the Braves? So I like the Braves in the NL East, and I like uh, I like the A's in the West, and I I think I got Yankees and Strohs being the wild card. Winners, I thought. But if Chris Sale comes back, the Red Sox, who we haven't really, they've been kind of like the Brewers. We haven't respected, we haven't talked much about. But that's just my picks and my thoughts. So if I'm doing the top five, I already, I think I told you, I think it's Dodgers, Giants, Giants first. So Giants, Dodgers. I think it goes Rays, Brewers, and five would be White Sox. I think I'm going Giants, Dodgers, uh, White Sox. Brewers, Astros, and then the Rays are right up there. I mean, it's uh, it's a glut. And I'm probably wrong, but I think you're wrong. The Rays are too <laughs> good, man. They're good. All right. I know. 
Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. We're going to talk just a little bit about the Field of Dreams game, right? Where you have uh, the White Sox and the Yankees. The White Sox are an especially poignant team to play in the Field of Dreams game because a big plot point of Field of Dreams is uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson and the, the the Black Sox scandal and all that stuff. So let's talk about Field of Dreams just for a little bit. First of all, the game. Did you ever want to play at that field in that game? Was it even on your radar? Yes. I mean, Field of Dreams just gives you all the tingles of the love of baseball, similar to your top shirt. It's just the tingles and the feels of that youthful. I guess I just I associate with being a kid and watching that show and falling in love with baseball and like loving the greats and the history of the game and respecting and honoring the game. But it's so beautiful. It just shows like do something that you love. If you build it, they will come. There's just such good messages. And I literally can't wait to watch Joey Gallo and Aaron Judge and all of the White Sox play on this field and watching them hit it into the cornfields. Like I think I went there when I was a kid as well. And like we just did the pictures going in and out of the cornfields. And it's just it gives you that magical, tingly Christmas morning baseball love feel. Yeah, the field is cool as heck. I really appreciate the Field of Dreams movie, like from a technical standpoint. As a tale, it is a good story. I really, I still enjoy watching it. That's a good movie, and I like it. It's just, I don't know how well it's aged. You know what? I haven't watched it since I was a kid, so I just equated it to like an opportunity to play baseball with the baseball's greats when I was a kid. It was like, oh, these were like, you know, like all of these people that have passed on and died get to come back and play baseball, like more baseball. Like when you go to heaven or whatever the case may be, uh, you want to play baseball. So like that was kind of the dream as a kid. I don't really even know if I grasped the story beyond that, just like they built the stadium and now there's big leaguers coming and you can watch the big leaguers play from the old timey days. That was just like my feel. So what's your favorite baseball movie? I'm still waiting for like my number one, my godfather of baseball movies, right? So do you have like a favorite baseball movie or do you have one that's like just number one top tier? You always go back to it. I think my favorite baseball movie, just because it's like, they kind of hit the nail on the head with like what minor league baseball is like, is Bull Durham. And like, you can relate to a lot of the characters from your like minor league days. And and they just did an exceptional job of, of showing what it's like to be a minor league baseball player. And it's extremely funny. It's fun. It's baseball through and through to me. So I guess because it struck so many notes with my journey in the minors that it's like, this one really got it. Bull Durham is pretty unimpeachable. That That's a good one. I mean, Major League has so much going for it. I, I love Major League. A sneaky one for me, I love Sugar. Have you seen Sugar? I have not seen Sugar. I haven't even heard of Sugar. 
Yeah, sugar. You know, it, it's a story. It's more of uh, from the perspective of a young uh, Dominican teenager coming up. It's a very it's a, a perspective that I think is necessary with today's game. It, it's going to be it's going to ring a lot truer, you know, to a modern baseball fan. So I recommend Sugar. One that's sneaking up because every time it's on, I watch it. It's become one of those like movies that just if it's on, like Shawshank Redemption. If it's on, I'm watching it. Right and uh, Moneyball. And it bothers me. Moneyball bothers me because I have about as many lines in it as Barry Zito and Tim Hudson. So like the premise of Moneyball kind of, you know, it bothers me a little bit. But as a movie, as a baseball movie, making a movie about like front office moves and stuff and making it exciting and like good drama. I'm always impressed with Moneyball. I mean, it is exciting because that's kind of where we are today. And that that movie kind of changed the shape of baseball and using data and, and, and this whole new theory. And like we're watching what Farhan has done. We're like, you know, oh, you're talking too much about the Giants. Oh, by the way, they have the best record by far for a long time. And you don't know a ton of the players. And it's Farhan who was kind of like the guy in that movie. I never watched the movie, to be honest with you. I've, I've kind of studied and read and I know the story of the A's and like that he got into the math of it. And I've seen some of the graphs of how they value hitters and look at hitters through some of the statistical team in San Francisco because I love diving in and learning. And Farhan has put together some crazy systems. Like you can't beat him at fantasy football. And like running a front <laughs> office is basically kind of similar to a fantasy football. That's why it's like, be careful, be weary of trades from the Dodgers. Watch out for the gifts from the... You know, the, 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 the war horse or whatever. I, I don't want to mess up the history, but it just like, beware of Greeks bearing gifts or what was it exactly? The Trojan horse. Yeah, yeah you, he's, he's wheeling that sucker in and going, here's a trade for you. Don't look inside. <laughs> so I, I do need to watch both of those actually, but I, I'm going to say my next one, like, because I'm a feel good kind of guy. To me, like the baseball classics, it's like, Whenever baseball season is coming, similar to like when Christmas is around, you got to watch Elf. That's like a, you know, in a Christmas story. Those are the two that my family has to watch. And when baseball season is coming, you got to watch Bull Durham and you got to watch The Sandlot. Oh, The Sandlot. You know what? That was a gap for me. It came out when I was in college, right? So college kids, you know, oh, it's a kid's movie and I'm doing college kid things. So I completely missed that until two years ago, maybe a year ago. So I'm a recent convert to The Sandlot. Watched it with my girls and we we all loved it, of course. Uh, so I'm a recent convert. I can't get into the whole Dodger stuff. You know what I mean? Like at the end, he becomes a Dodger. They're winning. A, you know, that, that loses me a little bit. No, but for, for real, that, that doesn't lose me. The Sandlot's a, a fantastic baseball movie. Like, yeah, Giants and Dodgers are a great rivalry, but you love the rivalry. I love when they play each other, and I want the Giants to win, but like, I, I, like, I still love all baseball players, and I respect baseball greatness, and there's greats that have been with the Dodgers, and you have to respect what they've done over the past, what is it, eight to ten years. It's been incredible, and they're changing the game and doing amazing things. So I don't think that that skews me off of a movie. Would I have loved to have seen a Giants hat? Yeah, that would have been great, but Vinny, <laughs> Vinny the Jet is awesome, man, and it was a cool story, and it's cool. If, if there was a kid I knew and he he got to go play for the Dodgers the team that he loved that's awesome like Justin Turner it's an amazing story yeah no that's always a good story you think about Brandon Crawford and the picture of him in the the San Francisco Chronicle our producer Brian <laughs> jumps in the chat the zoom chat Giants theme movie the fan did you ever see the fan with Robert De Niro and Wesley that was kind of creepy right I think I saw parts of it and I stopped watching maybe I don't know it was so bad it was so bad you know he was a thinly veiled Barry Bonds character the baseball was bad the movie was there's bad. a good TV show with the Giants character in it uh, what's that called Fuller House Full. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, that was that was smooth. That they was smooth. The Giants over there. Absolutely no, they were that was Bob Saget in the in the Giants starter jacket. Oh yeah, I remember that. I've recently uh, given you a bunch of money, and you are now a producer. You're a Hollywood producer. You're now just you're bankrolling movies. Congratulations. What baseball movie do you want to see? Can be history, can just be a tale from your personal experience. You come up with a baseball movie. With this question, my first thought goes to like we could do some kind of like insane wild drama, like almost like 24 Jack Bauer type type <laughs> show on Yasiel Puig's like journey to the Major League Baseball. And like I'm pretty sure they might be doing a documentary series on it or something, but if you've heard of like the reality that he went through to get from Cuba to the big leagues, it was nutty. And like, I still don't know it exactly, but the things that I've heard, like basically almost like a, it would be like a drug dealer type movie because he was dealing with like mafia and different people like robbing him and stealing him and then telling him that he's going to have to give them 50% of his contract and him not giving it to him and them showing up to his house and robbing him. And I don't know exactly, but I know that Yasiel Puig's story was absolutely banana sandwich. Yeah, that is a good one. That is, I mean, you could definitely make like this tight thriller out of that. I mean, it, it's not even necessarily a baseball movie, it's just like a straight, you know, thriller. Yeah, it would, it would definitely be a thriller. If there was another one, if we were looking for another baseball player movie, I don't know, what, who, else, who else do you have that's another great baseball story? There's two that I was thinking, exactly three, but I think Satchel Page, The Life, just a biopic, uh, biopic, I've never said that word out loud, biopic or biopic, whatever, a biography, a movie biography of Satchel Page, uh, because you look at his baseball reference page, and now that they've integrated the Negro League stats into his main page, it's just so good. Starts in 1927, uh, and then it goes to 19, let's see, 65, so 1927, Great Depression. He's pitching, you know, for the Monarchs through World War II. He's uh, pitching in the 50s in the major leagues. Like, he had a career, and I love that career. I also think if you're going a very, very different route, Marvin Miller and just the idea of organizing baseball, getting the, the strong union that baseball has. I'm a union dork in addition to being a baseball dork, and, like, that kind of combines my two interests because he's done a lot for players players in, in baseball and in unions in general. Grant, I love you, but you just made me fall asleep. <laughs> I mean, I'm snoozing. I'm snoozing. <laughs> I think you could do it. I think it, you you do like a the insider. You ever see the insider with Al Pacino? It's about you know tobacco and big. You make like these courtroom dramas fun. I'm telling you, all the president's men. Yasiel Puig got pulled over for driving 140. He had to hire a. You know, it's like what do people want to go to the movies to see? Are you kidding me? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. You probably know. No, more than you I know do. what? I got the Criterion Channel brain. I just. I'm I'm thinking Marvin Miller, baby. Write it for me. He might get be that, great. It might be great. I'm talking. sorry. That was rude. That was rude. But I had to. No, it wasn't. It's funny. <laughs> oh, you never have to apologize to me. All right. This has been episode 20 of The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence. Check us out next week. We'll be back and we'll talk about baseball because that is what we do around here. Thanks so much for listening. I love coffee. <laughs>